You're listening to the Seabreeze Church Podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. If we haven't met, I'm Andrew. I'm the student pastor here at Seabreeze. And I'm really glad to be with you this morning. Quick update. Uh, Bevan had planned to start a new message series today, but on Monday he went in for a routine procedure and it damaged his vocal cords. Uh, They expect his voice to come back in about a week, so we're pushing off the new series for one week. It'll start next Sunday. So please pray for healing and full recovery of his voice. And actually, right now, I would, I would like to pray for Bevan before we get started here. So God, we are so grateful for who you are, your faithfulness through generations. We're grateful that this was not a surprise to you. I, I pray for Bevan, that he would make a full recovery with no long-term um, just damage to his vocal cords and that he would be able to come back quickly and, and, and speak to us. We pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just spent a month looking at the building blocks of the Christian life that really lead to transformation in Christ. Today, I want our message to be the capstone of that series. And throughout the series, our our tool has been what we've called the wheel illustration. We looked at Christ as being the hub or the center of our lives. He's the one that gives us the power to change from the inside out. We also looked at things like the importance of the Bible and prayer that, that foster our, our personal relationship with God. And then we also looked at how we as the church serve and do ministry together. So we looked at the importance of the church in serving as well. I don't know if you know this, but over the past month, the student ministry has also been going through the wheel illustration as we looked at transformation in Christ. And as this is the weekend before we leave for winter camp, um, I thought it'd be fun to share a topic with you that I'm going to be sharing with them next week as kind of the capstone to the series. So today we're looking at hope. Now, did you know that 2023 is a year that we should be hopeful about? I I mean, I didn't. I wasn't aware until I read an article. (laughs) It listed the 15 reasons that we should be hopeful for 2023. A news organization had asked some of their writers to tell them one thing that gave them hope for 2023. I mean, honestly, a couple of them were very strange. But the more normal ones were things like the resilience of the human spirit, you know, young people, education, or even big things like justice. And I mean, what they shared were all kind of big ideas and concepts, really big things. And to the writers that contributed these, they really seemed like a big deal. But when I compared it with what I put my hope in, it was clear I viewed it very differently. And it made me think, as a society, what do we mean when we talk about hope? I think it's used in several different ways as we use it in conversation. So how important is it to us as people? Should we feel a sense of hope? Is it something that we long for? Or is it just like kind of cool? In this day and age, we use that word hope in several different ways. It can be something trivial, or we can use it for, for really serious things. In fact, as I thought about it, in our common vocabulary, we use the word hope and want pretty much interchangeably. I realize that I use the word hope every day, and I don't even realize it. I think it's something that many of us do. We say things like, oh man, I hope the weather will clear up today. I was thinking that earlier as it started to, to rain a little bit. You know, I told parents for winter camp, oh man, I hope that it snows when we get up to Big Bear. That would be so cool. 
And secretly, I hope that OU's football team doesn't stink next year. And that's my school, and so I, I want them to do well. Don't have any control over it. I'm not even in the same state. But we also, we use it for serious things. We say, oh, man, I really hope they, they recover from cancer. I know I've said, man, I hope the world my kids grow up in isn't crazy. Those are some pretty serious things. Actually, as you look at the movies and the media that we, we watched, it, it's everywhere. I mean, hope is a major theme of the Star Wars franchise. I'm, I'm a big Star Wars guy. In the prequels, Anakin was their hope. You know, oops, right? I'll never forget. My brother and I were watching episode one, and, you know, that little, little guy comes on the screen, and my mom was, oh, he's so adorable. Is that Luke? And my brother and I both go, Darth Vader. You know, like, it's so sad. You know, Star Wars episode four, it's called A New Hope, where they place their hope in another young dude. So I think in episode eight, there's a spark of hope. Like, it's, it's, it's in the movies. There are even movies that focus on hopelessness. There are these dystopias that are grimy and sad, you know? I remember growing up, I watched the movie The Shawshank Redemption. The theme there was hope and escaping prison. But the main character who is wrongly imprisoned is quoted talking about hope. He says, hope is a good thing, maybe even the best of things, and good things don't die. So looking at our lives, I think we're bombarded with this idea of hope. So what is it? Well, I went to the place where I looked first. I went to the dictionary. Well, I Googled it. So here's what it said. The dictionary defines hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for something to happen. Like, oh, I really want something to happen. I think it might happen. So because it snowed in the past at Big Bear, I have hope that there will be snow again next week. If you can't tell, I really want there to be snow. I don't think it's going to happen. But as I looked at the definition of hope that I found in the dictionary, I was, I was underwhelmed when I read the definition. And I decided to cross-reference it with optimism. I thought it sounds basically the same. Turns out it is based on the definition. One definition of optimism even used the word hope in it. So, is hope as lame as a birthday wish? No, I don't, I don't think so. When I read what the Bible says about hope, there definitely seems to be so much more to it. I would say it appears to be much more significant than just garden variety optimism. I mean, look at this verse, Romans 15, 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse comes at the end of a long letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And at the end of this letter, he, he's just spent chapters going into great detail about how, how God has purchased our relationship with him, how he's redeemed us and what that means. It was a long course of logic and legal terms. And with that kind of detail, it's really easy to get wrapped up in the concept, to stay in the academic. But he didn't want them to miss how this affected their life. And so Paul's prayer for this church is that they would experience the hope that comes from knowing the God of the universe. He describes God as the source of hope, not, not just optimism. Hope exudes from him. It, it's one of his defining characteristics, and it's extended to those who've decided to follow him. It's supposed to be a benefit of our relationship with him that, that flows from him into our lives into our, our daily experience. It's a defining characteristic. 
of the Christian experience. We're supposed to be people who live with a different kind of hope. So here's what I believe to be a clear definition of hope. Hope is a sense of confidence about the future that gives peace and joy. It's an outlook. It's, It's an attitude about the future. If you have hope, you are confident now about the future outcome. When it's placed in the right thing, we lead a life of less anxiety and more peace. We lead a life of less disappointment and more joy. The hope we have is based on what we decide to trust in, what we put our confidence in. So the hope we experience is only as good as what our confidence is placed in. This is so important. I want to say this again. The hope we experience is only as good as what our confidence is placed in. Practically, the object of our hope is the most important thing about it. So what about you? What do you personally place your hope in? Many of us don't stop to think about the specifics of maybe what our confidence is placed in, but upon closer inspection, there are lots of things we choose to put our hope in. We can put our hope in God or in the job that we have, the health that we have. Maybe it's the ability of our kids or our intelligence. You name it, someone's probably tried to put their hope in it. But regardless of what that specific thing is, hope falls into two big categories. There are two types of hope, and that's what we're going to focus on. The first type of hope is fleeting hope. Now, based on the name I gave it, you can guess that this is the bad one of the two. This is the one you don't want, okay? And that's because fleeting hope is the outcome of placing our confidence in something temporary that won't last. Because the object of our hope is temporary, our hope itself is temporary, and ultimately it's disappointing. They don't deliver on what they promise. Things that are temporary are unstable, and they ultimately won't stand the test of time, their failure leads to disappointment for us. Now, I just I want to confess, one of my fleeting hopes is rest. I have been in a decades-long battle with tiredness. <laughs> Starting my senior year in college, I had so much to do, I started drinking coffee. And I thought, you know, one day I'll get a few days to rest, and I won't be tired anymore, and I'll be great. That was 15 years ago. It turns out I was wrong, and I've added a marriage and four kids to that. So a few years ago, I just accepted that being tired was a normal aspect of life, and I became okay with it. That really helped me personally, but I still find myself holding out hope that one day soon I'll be rested. I I actually just did this. I just got back from a one-week vacation with my wife. We celebrated 10 years of marriage. It was great, yeah. Thank you. We've never done anything like that before. Thanks, guys. It was just the two of us for a week. It was great. And beforehand, a couple months out, I was like, oh, man, Jesus, I don't want to get sick. Please help our kids get, stay healthy. And so I found myself putting hope in that one week. I thought, you know, I'll sleep in every day. I'll have really long quiet times. I'll relax. I'll come back refreshed, recharged, and ready and I mean, I slept fine. I had some really good quiet times. We, we relaxed a bunch. We didn't do a whole lot. It was pretty awesome. But when I got back, I was still tired, you know? <laughs> Within 24 hours, I felt the same way I did before, and I was like, oh, man, okay. I realize now that I was just putting too much confidence in rest and fun from our vacation. I literally put my hope in something that lasted eight days. I mean, that sounds pretty temporary to me. That's fleeting. 
And I was really disappointed with how quickly I returned to tiredness. But most people, they live in a regular state of disappointment. And I would say borderline hopelessness. Experience tells many people that there are no guarantees in life, so they don't believe that hope is as powerful and sure and steady as it actually is. It's more like a wish than a guarantee to many people. And for most people, hope is a depreciating asset. Over time, the peace and joy we experience, it shrinks because what we've hoped for doesn't materialize. I think we've all been routinely disappointed in life because we place our hope in the wrong things. We're all placing our hope in something, and it regularly lets us down. The biblical term for this is called idolatry. It's a fun word. Idolatry is what it's called when we look to something other than God to satisfy him. It's a really serious thing in the Bible. We basically are replacing God with whatever that thing is. Misplaced hope is idol worship. That's a big deal. Misplaced hope is idol worship. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be an idolater. So how do we uncover which hopes of ours are fleeting? How do we figure out and sort out which things in our lives are idols? Well, I have a couple of pretty easy ways to figure it out. The first is just to pay attention to what disappoints you or upsets you. Usually, the idols or the things that we're putting our confidence in, they're lurking there in the background. Maybe at work, the hope of a new job turns to disappointment when you find out your new boss isn't your biggest fan or your department underperforms for a quarter and now you guys are in the hot seat. I mean, how many of us were a little too disappointed that our teams didn't make it to the Super Bowl, right? And we can put our hopes in a lot of things and find idols lying in the background. So look at what disappoints or upsets you. That's a really strong indicator. And the second thing is give it time. If fleeting hope is based on things that are temporary, then its enemy is time. Time exposes the trustworthiness of what we place our hope in. Are you confident in your health? Just give it time. Something's going to break, right? Do you have a perfect five-year plan? Just give it time. It won't go exactly according to plan. So if, if hope is a sense of confidence about the future, over time, our confidence will be tested by problems. If we're hoping in the wrong things, we will be disappointed. Something I was told a long time ago that has been proved true in my life is that idols will eventually fail us. The goal is to learn to identify the fleeting things we place our hope in and stop placing our confidence in those things. That way we can put our hope in the right place and have a hope that lasts. And that's our second type of hope, lasting hope. This is the good one. The opposite of fleeting hope is a lasting hope. And it does what it says. It lasts. Regardless of the situation, lasting hope is secure. And that is because it is placed in the firmest foundation in the universe. It's based on God himself. So I've heard it said that federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit currency by spending their time studying all the different counterfeits. They, they spend their time studying the genuine currency when they know that well enough they can spot a fake. I don't know. I'm not in that field. But I do think that is one of the best ways to learn how to spot a counterfeit source of hope. Along that reasoning... We're going to look at several of the characteristics of lasting hope so that we can more easily identify the fleeting hope in our lives. So the first thing is that lasting hope, it has its origin in God. 
in God himself. It is, it is found only in him. God is the only source of lasting hope that supersedes our circumstances. He offers us a hope that will not disappoint us or put us to shame. And we can place our confidence in God because he's the cornerstone of reality. He's the creator and sustainer of everything. I mean, he is eternal. He has always existed and will forever exist without change. He is eternal, so the hope that, we, that he offers lasts forever. He's also all-knowing. His ways and thoughts are higher than ours than any created being. He is all-knowing, so we can have hope that goes beyond our understanding. He's also all-powerful. No one can thwart his plans. He is all-powerful, so the hope that he offers can't be taken from us. And finally, he is good. God is good, loving, and faithful. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. If God was eternal, had all knowledge, and was all-powerful, but was not good, then we would have no hope. All of these must be present. He must be a God of perfect character, able to do the things that he promises. And because of who he is, we can have confidence about the future regardless of what we're going through. So he is the only source of lasting hope. And to experience the kind of hope that he offers, we need to be in a relationship with him. We need to be connected with him. We need to know him. I mean, apart from God, we can only trust in temporary things, and that leads to short bursts of hope. It's like we've made tiny campfires. We don't have any extra wood, and it's the dead of winter. When the warmth of that fire fades, we go looking for more wood to build it back up, or we build another small fire. And the warmth that fleeting hope provides, it fades. I learned what fleeting hope really looked like whenever I was a stockbroker. I, I, I had the opportunity for a few years to work with day traders. They attempted to make a living or maybe spice up their retirement by making some short-term trades in the stock market. For a few, I found that they were really successful. They had very little emotion in it. They had defined parameters. They had a plan. They kind of had a niche in the market, a thing that they knew. And if something landed in their parameters, they went for it. If it didn't, they were fine. But many of the clients that I worked with, they started the day with so much hope about whatever stock it was that day that seemed to to be the exciting thing, and they didn't have much of a plan. And so often I'd speak to clients at the end of the day who were filled with disappointments as their stock didn't do what they wanted, or I was closing out trades where they lost big time and they were sad. But they turned their attitudes around pretty quickly because there was always another stock, there was another trade, there was another day where they might be able to make it back. There was always something new that was just a small burst of hope. But maybe you're not a day trader. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> maybe, we get, maybe you get excited about cars, and that new car was cool for a few months, maybe a year, and now you're on to something else, or there's another car that popped up, like, oh, man, that one's so cool. Or relationships. Maybe a new relationship for you started, and it was, like, fun at the beginning, and now the newness is fading away. I mean, you had your first argument. I don't know. But you start to wonder if it will last. We should really learn to build a life on the lasting hope that a relationship with God provides. 
So I would like to go through a passage in the New Testament that really spells this out for us. It's Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to look through some different sections of it. It says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So something we see in this passage is that lasting hope, it was purchased for us by Jesus. That's Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We can't, we can't miss this important detail. We experience this hope through a relationship with God, but because of our sin, we were separated from God and the hope that he gives. We must be made right in God's sight to restore that relationship through Jesus. The only path to lasting hope passes through Jesus Christ. There's no other path. He is the door that opens up for us a relationship with the God of hope, the source. So if you're seeking lasting hope and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then the place to start is this. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and commit to follow him as the boss of your life. That's the starting point for lasting hope. Another thing we see in this passage is that lasting hope is received by faith, and it's delivered by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.2 says, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We cannot make ourselves right with God. We must be made right. Why? The relationship that we get and its privileges are undeserved. We can't do enough good works to earn them as a reward. We can't serve God enough or praise him enough or give him enough of our money or of our time to say that anything about our relationship with him was deserved. And I would just say that's really good news for us. That's such good news. Since our relationship with God is based on his love and on his work and on his character, it's not going to change over time. Regardless of whether we mess up or not, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you have lasting hope that lasts into eternity. And you can be sure of that because God has given every Christ follower a guarantee of his love and faithfulness. He's given us personal proof. He's given each one of us the Holy Spirit as a conduit for his love and the hope that he brings. Romans 5, 5, the second half of the verse says, For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He's given himself to us. So we place our faith in Jesus. We trust him enough to do what he says, to follow him. And because of that faith, we can confidently and joyfully look forward to our relationship with him that won't change. It won't go away. Our hope grows as we learn more about God's love and faithfulness through the power that the Holy Spirit gives. And the last thing we see about hope in this passage is that lasting hope grows as we grow. There is always hope for more hope because it grows as we grow. 
Most people are hopeful because they perceive a favorable outcome for the future. When they look into the future, they think, oh, things look good for me. I can, I can have hope for the future. But lasting hope is supposed to grow as a result of the problems and trials that we face. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops the strength of character And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we face problems, this usually means that the foundation of our hope is being tested. If it's it's a false source of hope, trials shake its foundation and reveal to us how inadequate it really is. And in the middle of a painful process, we learn to endure We have the opportunity to look at what we're placing our confidence in. Is it in God, or is it in stuff, or circumstances, or ideas that we've learned about or always held? God uses the problems that arise in our lives as a form of heart surgery. He's looking to remove the idols and sources of false hope from our hearts. And he's really intentional with the process. He's faithful to lead us through it. And as we do the hard work of turning to trust God in the middle, over time, our endurance through that difficulty, that problem, it builds our character as we learn to endure. And that ultimately leads to a deeper sense of hope because we've seen and experienced the power of of God and his faithfulness in our lives. We've seen him come through. And that deepens our hope because our relationship is deeper. We end up with a greater confidence in God and in his promises. And the result is a much deeper hope. You know, God used my time as a stockbroker to grow my character and deepen my hope. Looking back, I can really see that. I never intended to be a stockbroker. I was called to ministry my sophomore year in college. I was a finance student. I was like, great, I will just stay a finance degree so I can finish in four years and then go into ministry. And that's what I did. I went into ministry straight after college. I worked uh, at a, a campus ministry at the University of Oklahoma. But after several years of doing that, I realized oh, I needed more training. I needed help. If, if I wanted to walk with God and do this for a lifetime, I really needed some training. And so I moved to another town to, to get ministry training. And a part of that training was, was being in the workforce. So I, just, I got a job at, at an investment firm. And while I was there, there were days where my hope was wearing pretty thin. I mean, I'd wonder why I was grinding through years of work in a field I wasn't going to stay in. I think I studied and passed five or six different intense licensing exams, knowing that as soon as I went into ministry within two years, they'd be gone, and that time was, was, was spent studying for tests that I, most people want to use to build their career. I had seen my colleagues building their career, and I knew that's what I wasn't doing there. And there were times when, yeah, my hope was just wearing pretty thin. But looking back, God really used those years in the workforce to, to, to make me come back to him and to remember that I was right where he wanted me to be at that time, that he was faithful, and that I needed to be faithful where he had placed me. That was really big for me. My hope needed to be in him and not my career or even the hope of a future calling. I mean, I was working in business, and I didn't see a direct route to get into ministry for years to come. And that process for me, it was really transformative. So as we're finishing up our Transformation in Christ series We've spent the, the first month of this entire year looking at transformation in Christ. We've looked at the several key components that we can, 
can put into our life that, that helps us develop a Christian life where we, we grow. It's a vibrant Christian life. And so here's the wheel. I wanted to put it back up just as a reminder that these are the things that if, if we can do these, they grow us in a deeper relationship with God. If you want to experience lasting hope, trust in what lasts. Hope will thrive as we foster our relationship with God by putting these things into practice. And so don't let this series slip past you without putting something into practice. I'm, I'm very confident that we are not perfect in every one of these areas and that there's something that maybe God has spoken to you about in the last month that, that you need to put into practice. Maybe even today, pick one thing from the wheel. I encourage you to do it, to do whatever the next step is for you there. Because things are not guaranteed to go our way in life. In fact, suffering is the path to deeper hope because through the process, we can submit to God's good plan knowing that regardless of what happens, our relationship with him will last forever into eternity. Our hope is one that extends past this life and our present circumstances into eternity. Lasting hope has its origin in God and who he is. It was purchased for us by Jesus. It's received by faith in what Jesus has done for us, and it's delivered to us by the Holy Spirit as we're in a relationship with God. And it grows as we grow. So as your relationship with God grows, so will your hope. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your faithfulness over the years, for your, your love and your kindness, and the fact that we can have hope because you are the cornerstone of reality. God, I pray that each one of us will look into our lives and ask ourselves, what is our next step? Do we have fleeting hope? Are we disappointed regularly? Or do we put our hope in you that lasts? God, help us to figure out what is our next step so we can deepen our relationship with you and experience the hope that's supposed to be a part of our regular Christian experience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Seabreeze Church podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, seabreezechurch.com. Thanks again for listening in, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Seabreeze Church podcast.